eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Joshua Perry Show here on Monday, July 22nd, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. This podcast is, of course, starring the former Ohio State linebacker, national champion captain, and NFL player Joshua Perry. Joshua, always great to talk to you. Welcome into your show. Glad to be here, as always. Looking forward to some fun topics here. No question about it. Let's start, you know, obviously with Big Ten Media Days wrapping up on Friday. Ohio State had all their stuff on Thursday. Let's get into some of the, the high points there. Um, <laughs> obviously, man, like a lot of fans are like, wait a minute, you know, Ryan Day didn't declare Justin Fields a starting quarterback. Are they down on Fields? Uh, I mean, you know, just uh, unpack that. You know, why do you think Ryan Day didn't name Justin Fields a starting quarterback? And uh, what do the listeners need to know about that? I mean, if you're him, you know, why why would you do that? Especially if your locker room is pretty confident knowing who their starter is. Uh, especially if, you know, you want him to be a little bit hungry going into camp, there's no reason to name him. It's not like, you know, this was the name your quarterback convention or whatever you want to call it. So um, I think everybody around the program kind of understands what's going on. I think there's a certain respect level for the other guys who are competing for the job where, uh, you know, Justin, he's he's as new as anybody in the program. Uh, you know, he, I mean, he's got to earn it like everybody else. So I think the respect level of, uh, just not right away anointing him as a starting quarterback. But also, uh, going into camp, he said, you know, he's thinking about probably a week into camp he's going to know, which means that he already knows. Um, you know, right. the writing the writing is on the wall. His quarterback is going to be Justin Fields. It's just, hey, let's let these guys go out there, compete a little bit. Uh, let's have a little respect for the process. You know, let's let's have him go in there hungry, knowing that he still has to prove a little bit in the beginning parts of camp here before we really name him. Yeah, and I believe he, you know, promised Gunnar Hoke a chance to compete for the job. And, you know, Ryan Day wants to be a man of his word, and and that's what he's going to do. But like you said, yeah, when he mentioned that he wants to name a starter like a week or two into camp, it's like, uh, as if we didn't know already, it's like, oh, so you do know who it is, and it is it is Justin Fields. Um, he, he also talked about middle linebacker. Uh, you know, guilty as charged, I asked about it numerous times. <laughs> yeah, I heard um, I love. I, 
Yeah, I love uh, I love trying to figure out uh, you know what they're going to do middle linebacker, but they I, I really believe they don't know yet. You know, I I I, uh, I take him at face value for that, and I don't I don't blame him for not naming a quarterback that even though he knows who it is. But what did you make of his comments about middle linebacker? They could rotate. He's not sure if it's going to be who the starter's going to be yet with Tough Borland and Traja Mitchell. He mentioned Baron Browning in there. Um, could they rotate? I know we talked about this on the show before. You know, could they rotate a middle linebacker much like they did during? Your national chain, you know, with uh, Curtis Grant and Raekwon McMillan. Do you think that could be in the cards this year? Yeah, and I I dug into that a little bit, talking to some people I know around the program. And uh, from what I what I heard of the situation is Tuck Borland is not going down without a fight. He's kind of the guy. They've given him his proper due and respect by letting him go out there and compete and kind of having it his job to lose. But um, from what I've heard is he's got a pretty good grip on it and he's not trying to lose it. The issue is, you know, that there are guys who are very talented behind him, and you want those guys to have an opportunity to play. Um, the game that we're playing right now is you got to make sure guys are on the field or else they're going to hit that transfer portal. And when you're looking at the amount of talent that you have, it's really hard. Um, so we had talked about it previously, and I think it's true, the fact that they're going to have different personnel groupings. Um, having, having the bullet position on there kind of takes away one of the linebacker spots. So uh, I think they're going to have different personnel groupings to make sure that they can get all their talent on the field in the best situations. Um, but right now it seems like Tuff is kind of the, the leader there. And, you know, he's he's a very solid player. He's feeling much healthier than he was a year ago, and his leadership is invaluable. But the talent behind him is something that you can't deny. And so um, early on they're going to have to be creative in ways getting those guys on the field and keeping everybody happy. But uh, to me it seems like they've got one of those good problems on their hands where you've got a veteran guy who you know is going to be a lot better this year uh, in a system where these guys are just going to be able to go out there and play you know, you've got young talent who's not going to have to think nearly as much on the field this year, so they're going to be able to play fast. And so for them, it's um, obviously having respect for that process, respect for a guy who's been on the field, but really finding the, the best 11 that are going to be in rotation. So whether that's personnel groupings, um, whether that's kind of picking one guy and sticking with it, I think they're going to have it figured out. But, uh, you know, as the situation stands, they they want to get their young talent on the field, but they understand that tough Boylan is – He's not going down without a fight, and they have a lot of respect for what he can do. I want to ask you a few uh, Harbaugh topics in a few moments, but before we move on, just from Ohio State's perspective, like kind of what else stood out at media days to you? Was it uh, you know what he said about the offensive line, running backs? Just what else from just Ohio State's perspective uh, stood out at media days? Um, I just feel like it was pretty pedestrian. I think that um, what it really comes down to is everybody has questions about the O-line. I think the O-line is going to be better than uh, people give credit for. I think that Coach Stud got a little bit of a bad rap for a coaching job that he did. I think he's going to have those guys hungry and ready to go. And like I've said before on the show, I've been around the Woody where, uh, you know, he runs into his players and he's asking them why they're not in the film room or why they're not doing X, Y, and Z. Um, if they expect to compete and play, that they need to put the work in. So the pressure's on there. Um, I think probably the big questions were what's the defense going to look like, and especially linebacker room. Um, didn't get a, a true solid answer there who's the starting quarterback going to be. Kind of got an answer there, really didn't. So um, pretty pedestrian. I think Ryan Day does a really good job of handling media, and we said that since he, you know, was thrust into the role. But um, he seems to be pretty candid. He understands, um, you know, he, he has a little bit of that coach speak, but he understands when he's doing it, and he tries to say, I know it sounds like coach speak, but. Um, and I, I just feel like there's an honesty about him where he's not going to try to BS you and fluff you the whole time you're asking him questions that people really like. So 
for me, I think the the next evaluation is going to be, uh, you know, what you what you can see during training camp. Now, I know uh, typical media members aren't going to have a ton of access. I'm going to try to be at practice as much as possible um, with whatever my schedule allows, just to see what's going on. Um, and I'm I'm just really curious to see kind of how things start to shape up. But um, I can say outside of what you saw at media days, I was down at the Woody last week and Coach Madison was supposed to be on vacation. He's in there with his GA. Um, we're all sitting there watching tape together, and he's looking at tendencies. You know, like he's he's spending his, his downtime in the summer uh, looking at Florida Atlantic tape, and that's how committed he is to being a great coordinator and putting his guys in positions to win. So I think that is the edge that Ohio State's going to have where, uh, you know, they've got their D coordinator who's, who's been in, in coaching forever who could be anywhere in the world with his family at the Woody with his GA breaking down tape and making cut-ups and making print-offs and working on the playbook. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's all applied and what it looks like on the field. That's great stuff right there. Love hearing that about Madison. Uh, not even a huge surprise, but that's just, man, and these guys need their time off, but I, I just love hearing that about Greg Madison. Um, the fountain of youth for that guy for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, um, let's switch gears and talk about the the coach of that team up north. He, he made waves at Media Day a couple different times. One was for something he said before Media Days. We'll start off with him talking about um, you know what he said before Media Days on a podcast on the Athletic, talking about how you know Urban Meyer wins and all that, and but controversy follows him wherever he goes. And uh, I have pretty strong uh, thoughts on. I, I will turn the floor over to you. I don't want to steal any uh, any thunder. Uh, your, your thoughts on uh, what Coach Harbaugh said about. Urban in that respect. Yeah, I mean, I've got strong thoughts on it as well. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the timing's funny that you take a, a swipe at a guy who's not even coaching there anymore. You wait until he's gone. You could have easily said it any of the years you were competing against him because, I mean, at the end of the day, you, he, he ran a clean program at Utah and he ran a clean one at Bowling Green. He had issues at Florida, um, you know, had some stuff going on at Ohio State. Could have easily said it at any point while Coach Meyer was still coaching. Um, I think it was one of those um, weak ploys to try to, to gain an edge in recruiting, whatever it is. Um, but, like, let's break this down from the reality of the situation. Urban had some issues at Florida regarding players, and if you ask him, um, he would recruit a different type of player if he could do it over again, number one. But number two, like, you're dealing with grown men, and I know you're trying to keep them out of trouble, but you're, you got grown men thrust in a spotlight who really are kids at heart. And it's hard to keep a hundred guys out of trouble at all times. I know some of the stuff that went on, some of the things that happened with some of his players in the future, you got some strong questions about, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like anything else. If, if, if you're a manager at work and you have to be responsible for everything that any of your subordinates did outside of work, a lot of people would probably end up fired out of their jobs because it's really hard to dictate what people do outside of the time that you have your hands on. Um, you know, at Ohio State, we had this situation with Zach Smith, and again, don't want to unpack it, but the reality of the situation is Ohio State did their investigation. Um, they found that the mistake that Urban really made was waiting for a uh, police investigation to be done before kind of handling what happened internally and through the athletic department, where he should have just gone through the channels first and then waited for the police to come after. Um, and so that was basically what it was. That was the reason for the suspension. He did not, Urban did not do anything illegal. He did not do anything that broke university rules outside of the way that he reported it. Um, Gene was punished as well. And at the end of the day, 
you know, typically in a domestic situation, I'm not trying to say what happened, but typically somebody walks away in handcuffs. And the reality of the situation was nobody did. And so we can't really know what happened there. Um, granted, I feel like there were a lot of opportunities for um, for Urban to mitigate situations. I feel like, um, you know, he put his trust into a coach who, at the end of the day, maybe things didn't work out. It was probably too much, too big for him. He had a lot going on in his personal life. And he'll admit as much. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to excuse that. Now, when I look at Harbaugh and his history, it feels like everywhere that he's been before, he hasn't really separated from, uh, you know, college programs, NFL, um, NFL programs as well on, you know, best of terms with the people that he was working with, number one. And then number two, you look at his history, DUI, when he was at, uh, when he was coaching in San Diego, blew through a stop sign, mind you. Um, that's very dangerous. And then, you come over here to Michigan, you have two coaches get DUIs, uh, one of which he totaled his car, and then you have a player who had uh, a Dewey, and then he violated his probation to the point where uh, he had to move in with his grandmother. And if you want to talk about culture issues, that sounds like a culture issue to me, but nobody's out here throwing stones because of that because at the end of the day, you know, like those are things that he can control what happened to him, but at the end of the day, can you control your players getting a DUI? Can you control your coaches getting a DUI? I don't think so. Um, and so it's just really interesting how, um, you know, he's throwing stones to kind of hide his hands, but at the end of the day, everybody's got skeletons in their closet, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, I think there's, you know, things that you can point out about him, but also let's let's keep first things first. They don't pay him, you know, $10 million a year, whatever the hell he makes, to sit up there and not win big games and just make sure that his players stay out of trouble. You know, you, you hire your – your director of player development to make sure guys stay out of trouble and you pay him 150 grand a year, depending on where you're at and what your budget looks like. You pay the guy who's making eight, nine, $10 million a year to win the big game, go to the playoff, win the national championship. Hell, let's start with the conference championship. So that's kind of the issue that I have with that. I know it was a really long winded response, but there's so much to unpack there. And it's just really funny. Um, the, the type of personality and the type of guy that he is, that he felt like throwing stones on that regard. That was not a long-winded response. That was just an excellent one. And, um, yeah, it's it just is so weak. It, it's just absolutely so weak to come from Harbaugh after Urban has retired to say that, and after Urban handed him his ass four different times. Um, right. It just comes across as very weak. It's come across as like a kid, you know, a uh, kid beats another kid up, and then, you know, the kid that beat the kid up leaves. Cause, the kid that got beat up never, you know, tried to fight the kid or anything. Then that kid, the kid leaves and moves uh, halfway across the country, and that kid tells everybody, Oh, I could have beat him up. I could. He, he really yeah. wasn't that tough. Like he beat you up, dude. And he never, never did anything about it while he was here. Now you're going to talk about him. It just comes across as so weak. Um, and I think you unpacked that very well. The other thing that came across as you know that I really, I know people are going to say that you know he was taken out of context and all this, and uh, he wasn't talking about James Hudson. But Jim Harbaugh's comments on mental illness, which were made, I believe he was making, he was on a radio interview while in Chicago, and he was talking about players that transfer. And there's just no doubt in my mind he was talking specifically about James Hudson, who, you know, a young man from Toledo who transferred to Cincinnati and Michigan fought it, and they're not, he's not going to be eligible immediate for, immediately for the Bearcats. Um, and he's saying he transferred because, you know, of depression and just he just was feeling, 
you know, just down in the dumps. And um, his mom is mad about it. James Hudson's mom is yep. giving interviews. She's pissed off about All it, right? And she's a ment- she's yeah, she's a mental health professional too. No, again, Jim Harbaugh's going to say, "Oh, I wasn't talking about anybody in, in, specifically." But yeah, okay. man, does this look bad when you come out there you know, and you're like, "Well, you got kids out there that's going to say, yeah, just, just yeah, just say you're depressed or just say you have mental illness, and then they're, they're going to grant the waiver while you are trying to." block this young man from being eligible right away. To me, I know Michigan fans are going to defend him no matter what. They're going to die on that hill. But, Joshua, I think he was definitely talking about James Hudson, and that's just – it's a tremendously bad look for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, let's let's take that he's not talking about Hudson. Why would you even make that comment to begin with? Because as, right. a, as a guy whose job is to recruit players who are inevitably – everybody goes through the ups and downs, whether, you know, I was a guy who had um, performance and anxiety. I struggled with getting my mind right, getting to play day or uh, to, to game day just because, um, you know, I felt really anxious about it. We have guys who struggle with, um, you know, depression. We have guys who struggle with other different things, um, even down to, and I know people have their things about this, but some guys have substance, whether it's alcohol abuse or other drugs, um, issues that relate to how they cope with some mental health things that are going on. So, um, when you look at that and you're trying to recruit players to a program, if this is how cavalier you are when discussing mental health issues or when you talk about situations where guys feel like they need to transfer because of mental health issues, I feel like that's a problem. And if you – I feel like nobody should ever feel like they want to transfer because they have depression, anxiety, whatever it is, and they're not getting the proper help at their university. That is a daggone shame. But even in Hudson's case, like, let's bring it back to him. Um, you're, you're not going to sit here and make that comment. Like, it takes two to tango. And so I've been saying that people, you know, what about this example? What about that example? I'll get into it. But at the end of the day, um, Cincinnati's doing everything that they can, and their, their compliance department, whoever it is, is working overtime to try to get this guy eligible. And if you as an institution, which they said, they kind of just remove themselves from it. You're blocking the kid. Because when you remove yourself from it, you basically ended any chance that that child had, that young man had, to be able to transfer and get his waiver. You have to cooperate. You have to, you know, whatever documentation you have, you have to be able to work with the other school's lawyers, with the NCAA's lawyers, to make sure that a kid can transfer. It's what we saw with Justin Fields, um, you know, my source from, from inside the program told me that they were very cooperative. They did a very good job. They have a great compliance department down there that worked overtime to make it happen. It was the same thing that happened with Tate Martell. I'm sure Miami has a very, very, very good compliance department. Ohio State worked really hard to make sure that he could get a waiver because his coach retired. Like, I mean, for all reasons, his coach retired, and he still got the waiver. It means two athletic departments cooperated. And so I got Michigan fans um, – you know, in my timeline, like, well, what about Connor Ford, you know, UGA, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, so Georgia's going Georgia to let the five-star quarterback play, but the tight end who's going to Illinois, mind you, not another premier program going to Illinois, they're going to block him. And I would probably say that was more Illinois has a compliance department that has no idea what the hell they're doing rather than Georgia wanted to block that kid from leaving. And so, like, you can go back and forth. I just feel like the state that you're at right now, uh, mental health is not something that you should be so nonchalant about. Um, You should absolutely do everything in your power to make sure that these guys are getting the proper help that they need. 
But also, when it comes to guys transferring, you know how bad that makes your program look. Like, you are Michigan, and you want to be an asshole about a kid who wants to leave and go to Cincinnati. Like, good. I, You know, and if I'm a parent, if I am a parent, I'm grilling them about how they treat mental health because that is a culture issue if they don't do it the right way. And I'm grilling them about, well, what if my child comes here and then all of a sudden something happens, situation changes, and he wants to transfer? Are you going to make it hard, or are you going to work with my my child to make sure that they have the best uh, avenue to go somewhere else and play? Like, those are two legit recruiting questions that people should be asking uh, when they sit down with any school, but now specifically that school. So uh, just really interesting. I think Harbaugh is one of those guys who's just really out of touch. Um, he he likes to make waves, but he does it the wrong way, and it's just weird. Yeah, it's pretty staggering when you think about it. You know that Ryan Day is starting this has started a foundation for mental health awareness, and he is really trying to break down those barriers of you know tough football players that aren't willing to talk about mental illness. He wants to have you know two sports psychologists. On, doesn't want to. He he is having two sports psychologists on staff where guys can go and talk about their problems at all time. Um, and just really trying to break down that stigma and do everything he can. And, yes, Ryan Day, it's personal for him, but with his dad committing suicide when Ryan was just nine years old, you know, so it's very personal for him. But he's doing that. And then you have Jim Harbaugh making, kind of making light of it, you know, and then he actually tried to cover his tracks. It's just that dichotomy right there is just amazing when you think about what Ryan Day is doing with mental health. And, yeah, I think if I'm, if I'm a parent, you know, I mean, that's, you know, it's, I know I'm, I'm an Ohio State guy. You're an Ohio State guy. Everyone would say everybody's just right. they were biased. But it would be pretty easy if I'd want to send my kid to play for. Well, yeah. I mean, you you look even back to Urban. Um, as tough of a coach as he was and as macho as he wanted all of his guys, I mean, like like half of the speeches he ever gave us were about toughness, mental toughness, this, that, and the third. But I bet you every day when you went to that training room, Dr. Grace, who was one of the psychologists, he was in there. Or if he, he wasn't in there – you could ask somebody and you could speak to him. And if you needed to talk to Mickey about it, Coach Moratti, you'd be able to go into his office, close the door, talk about it. You didn't talk to anybody. Um, you know, even that article that uh, Dan Hope with the 11 Warriors wrote about Brady Taylor and his anxiety issues and how that, you know, that program was there to help him. He thought about giving up football, but they found a way to let him stay there, be a part of the team, grind. And I know he had some injuries at the end of the day, but – you know, they were there to help him cope with those anxiety issues that he had faced. That's the type of program that you should have. And I know a lot of schools do it, but that's a legit question. When when you have a child who is getting recruited, you should ask that question. What are you going to do to support my son if he runs into X, Y, and Z issue? And they should be able to have a full answer for you. If they can't, they'll bring their athletic trainer in. They'll bring the psychologist in, whatever it is. But um, it's just, to me, it's a hell of a deal that we're sitting here in 2019 um, you know, and they want to be the set the expectation program, but here, you know, they're they're ignoring one of the the big issues surrounding sports and society in general. It just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 